Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 158 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Harry G, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson What's up? and Gabriel Nassif. Hey, everyone. So, we have to start off with an apology. We did miss last week's episode, and that's because of some arrangement complications as I was going to Barcelona to do commentary. Pat's working a full-time job. So hard to balance everything, and I think Gab's had some family things, so we apologize. We're going to make sure to try and be more consistent going forwards. Um, but you know what? You would have known that we weren't doing last week if you're in the podcast Discord. So who's really at fault here? Uh, but yeah, before we get into things, this podcast is brought to you by Card Market. They sponsor the cast. Best place online to get anything card game related. Deck boxes, sleeves, accessories, singles you can sell on there. You can buy... Magic, Pokemon, Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Flesh and Blood, loads of different card games. If you need anything card game related, go to cardmarket.com or cardmarket.eu as they support the cast. We also want to thank any of our continuous patrons that keep supporting us and helping us get back here every single week. Patreon.com slash midweekmendigame if you want to support us. No pressure to do so. Thank you so much. Um, I actually want to start the, vi- uh, not video, <laughs> the podcast with a thank you. Um, I was the only one in Barcelona this past weekend for the Legacy European Tour. We had a couple people come up and say hi specifically. The most memorable one is there was a Marine that came and, or someone in the Navy, I apologize if I've got your um, service wrong, but they, they're based in Italy from the US, and they pulled me aside, showed me the chaos draft that they were doing with their uh, friends and um yeah just very thankful for you coming up and saying hi super busy weekend so i do forget the details because i did two 10-hour days and barely got any sleep but anyone who came and said hi and supported the podcast we really appreciate you shout out to you guys what did you guys do while uh, i was away in barcelona then gab not sure kind of a blur not a lot of winning <laughs> hey some winning mostly pioneer i had the mock standard too that went kind of well um, but yeah, mo- mostly Pioneer. I think we're going to start with Modern, was you in Barcelona, then talk a bit about Pioneer, mm-hmm. and then I'll talk a tiny bit about Standard at the end. Yeah, so I guess to start Barcelona, I opened the stream, and uh, I don't know if you guys watched round one, but we had a very interesting matchup, Hammer Time versus Merktide, and not necessarily a matchup was interesting, but in game one, Hammer Time had lethal, all they had to do was play Stoneforge Mystic and find Caldra complete. They play Stoneforge, they search their library, they search their library again, they search their library again, and there's no Caldra complete in there. So they call the judge, the judge comes over, the judge deck checks this player. You want to know how many cards was in this Hammer Time player's deck? 52. 52. Yes, this person came up to the tournament with 52 cards. Um, And yeah, it was an awkward one, especially on camera. So the actual thing that happened behind the scenes that I don't think a lot of people know is that the judge said this you have 10 minutes to find the eight missing cards if you don't find them you get a game loss then you have an additional eight minutes to find the cards again if you don't find them there you get a match loss but um I believe the player had to re-sleeve the deck because they didn't have extra sleeves they had to buy a new pack of sleeves buy the eight cards and re-sleeve the deck so they just conceded the match. Insane. I think those are the exact specifics, yeah. but yeah, it was definitely an awkward one. <laughs> like that needs to happen. sleeves is the best bit. Yeah, like how do you even? How does that happen? It means like they didn't count their deck. Their opponent didn't pile shuffle, 
And you just feel it. I mean, unless they were double sleeves, but given the lack of preparation, I'm assuming they were not double sleeves. You can you can tell 52 cards. Like, I think it was famously yeah. some players, maybe Ken Ho back in the day, that could tell by touching a deck or maybe a limited deck, like if it was 40 cards or 39, if there was one card missing. Because <laughs> you're just so used to 60 or 40 no sleeves or whatnot that... You can just tell when just a card or two is missing, let alone eight. Yeah. Yep. It's definitely... Yeah, definitely I, I wouldn't have picked it up from Power Shuffling because I feel like it, I would just Power Shuffle on some multiple of four where like, I just don't see that there's eight missing. Yeah, I, I actually say that, but actually... I, also, I, I never I, Power Shuffle my opponent's Yeah, deck. I don't think my, I Power Shuffle my opponent's deck, so... On my own. I refuse. It's just... I like doing my own. I like doing, you know, pile, I do Piles of Seven, so it's still like kind of random and... Just to check Literally. that. I have 60 cards. I'm just kind of a, a maniac, I guess. Yeah, I just... I don't know. I've had I've had a number of game losses for... Sim- not similar things, but kind of like, you know, small ticky-tack stuff like that. And I just figure that's just the price of me never having to waste any time file counting ever again. Hmm. Yeah. That's pretty, there, there were some, the tournament, yeah, there were some really bad judge calls throughout the event. The head judge told us that there were 30 deck registration errors and game losses in the first round. Um, How many players? 500 and There was 533 players. I saw many judge calls. I saw multiple times Gemstone Caverns 2 being in play, which I had to call the judge. I saw on coverage, I had to run to the coverage booth because someone played Underworld Breach, cast two spells, and didn't exile any cards from the graveyard to cast, to cast them. Hmm. I then, t- so I told the judge, come back to coverage area. The judge touches the match and they couldn't work. The judge was like, you need to exile cards for the spell you cast, right? But the problem is the judge didn't know why. So then the players were like, why would I do that? And then the opponent was like, oh yeah, you played breach. And then I was like, what am I witnessing here? Um, yeah, so was there was a match loss. And, uh, and was, all around. Okay. What, yeah, was there a country <clears throat> breakdown? Like players per country breakdown? No, there wasn't. Just curious if it was like 50% Spanish players, more or less. How, how many people I would traveled? say it looked about 80%. It Spanish, looked about 80% yeah. Spanish, yeah. And um, I spoke, so I have, um, I went for a lunch actually. I'm I'm good friends with Sergio Jimenez, um, no just a Spanish magic player. <laughs> it really and, is no big deal. <laughs> never heard of that person before, but no big deal. Yeah, no, Sergio's nice. I met him. I think it was <laughs> yeah. met him in Paris, and we hung out. in Sofia went to dinner there. Nice guys. Yeah, and he all in- the guys from Barcelona. He introduced me to two people, Pau and Mo, and we had a really nice chicken, uh, chicken burger and chips and whatever. And we were chatting for a very long time on the Spanish community. How many players? And they're like, there has to be a thousand players here. The last GP in Barcelona was apparently around one thousand five hundred, and they were like. The last GP, I played the whole GP and I didn't play one Spanish person. Um, and there were like rumors on a Spanish group chat that already 700 had registered. And then we go to the event the next day, it's 533. They were really surprised because they said like a month ago, a, a modern tournament in a really small town maxed out at 350 players. Um, and this one only got 530 plus the world, right? Plus Europe. So... I don't know. I, I was really surprised by the turnout from the way they were speaking to me about just the community and tournaments in Barcelona. That, that's it's funny that you put it like that because from the outside looking in, I was kind of I, I saw the numbers of five hundred odd. I was like, oh, that's that's pretty decent attendance for this. You know, they seem to be growing gradually. 
as they become more and more consistent. And then, you know, people are realizing that Legacy putting on a, or at least a consistent show. I don't know if it's a good show or a bad show. I'm not, not talking about the coverage. I'm talking about the kind of event they offer in general. But, um, yeah, my, my, my outsider perspective was, that, oh, this is, this is a improving performance kind of on an improved, mm. improved attendance that maybe, maybe didn't meet, not meeting organizers' expectations or whatnot. Yeah. I think that a, a huge problem with the event is the fact that um, it's top 64 makes day two. I think it's really poorly structured because you get so many awkward IDs and draws and like complicated day twos. The amount of arguments that were at the end of day one because it's top 64 and stuff is, you know, insane to me. Yeah. I personally would rather have the x2 x3 makes yeah. day two x2 one makes day two whatever they want i hate this top well, gps 64. used to used to act in that may used to be like cut the top x and it was just horrible it was you know last round drawing to get through and stuff like that didn't they change that though towards the well end? it used to be or... and then they, they made the change to cutting the top yeah. top three x to cut the x3 makes it yeah or top yeah. 64 whichever is large a larger number and i think yeah, that was just an overwhelming change for the better yeah of course tspn like made a tweet about it and I think it makes sense. He said it should be X free, and he said because that's like what you can still make top eight. You know, with free losses. Basically, he I think he's right. You know, the cut to to day two should probably be whatever number of losses was which you can still make top eight if you go on a perfect run on day two. This yeah. way, no everyone that makes day two still has a chance of top eight. No no cutoff, no draws. This way, you don't have these awkward draws because you're. It really sucks because you're basically if you want to guarantee day two, you have to draw, but then you're costing yourself points because you know yeah, you're it's splitting. Like, it's like a half loss a on day two. Yeah, it's yeah, it's bad. Yeah, you could easily structure your tournament like that as well. You can just do the Pascal's triangle. But for, I mean, no legacy. Days. I'm sure they're gonna change it. I mean, it's yeah. how come it, it's been like that the whole time, Harry? Yeah, and I think I want to highlight something cynical that you guys might not know is that the reason why it's probably good to have 64 players on day two is because there's a classic qualifier every sunday which is a ptq where the top eight qualifies for the rc so if you guarantee that only the 64 players that are guaranteed prizes for top 64 are playing in day two then you have a lot amount of players who will register the classic qualifier right because if you bomb out of day two you won't have time to Play the classic qualifier but yes it's but, always been top it, 64 with an, with like 500 odd players like there can't be that many ex people who would have been x3 that are not signing up it's like what like maybe it's like 20 30 entries or something like that and so i don't i don't i don't imagine this that it doesn't seem like that huge of a huge of a, 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 an advantage and you know mm. I, anyway i mean we don't sit there and make tournament structures for other people it does because um <laughs> yeah what about, what no, about the I magic? Was the, ma was the magic at least enjoyable? Like, the top eight looked pretty interesting from what I watched. I, I tuned in, the, in and out of coverage over the weekend. So I, th not, I think that this is the lowest level of magic I've watched ever. I haven't seen like... Come on. Just, there was, there was a game there. loss on, ga on day two main coverage. Day game loss for the X1s or X2s where... A player cast a spell on the end step with Teferi Time Raveler and play three times. Got game loss and lose the match. There was in the top eight j double gemstone caverns, like I said. There was just so much. Like I, I've, I had to run from the coverage booth to the main feature 
almost every round because okay. they were just so like sloppy game play. rules violations. So it's like the level of magic, I would say that there were good decision-making done. Like Simon Nielsen was in coverage. There were many players who had top eight or won a legacy event here. So there were some very good players. It's just I felt like the amount of draws this event was insane. There were so many <laughs> XX2s. Um, like natural draws. Mm. I'm speaking to them like, yeah, I naturally drew. Like Hammer Time versus Merc Tide draws. I'm like, how, how, for example, stuff like this. So this was probably the most frustrating tournament I've attended in terms of like rules and draws and gameplay. But I, I genuinely had a really fun time despite that. Like it was a really good event for me. Yeah, I only watched one round or very few rounds, and it was Jendrek against Rhino, and the Rhino player just got stuck on two lands two games in a row. Exactly. I don't know, I just don't like Modern right now, and I guess maybe I, it's kind of karma. The one match I watched was not very interesting, <laughs> and... Yeah. I, uh, yeah. But yeah. What, what was the kind of... Do you have any any feel of what the metagame was like? I don't... Presumably yeah, Merc-tide I know, I know it off by heart. Rhino's won it all, I right? read the metagame so many times, I can repeat it again. Fantastic. On day one, we had 16% Merc-tide. We had 6% Azorius Hammer. And then you had between 4 and 2% of every other archetype. Right. And then on day two, the highest conversion is that Indomitable Creativity went from 2% on day one to 10% on day two. And Merc-tide went up a percent on day two. So 16% day one. Merktide was 17% day two, and Azorius Hammer was the most successful hammer deck out of mono white and blue white from day one to day two. Right, so like every, every not every, yeah, like every, every creativity player made it. I think so, yeah, yeah. Mo- almost all of them. Yeah, I like that deck a lot. I think it's creativity maybe my, would be my go-to deck in modern, and I think Merktide creativity, not too surprised. Yeah, th- those 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 will be my my number one and two decks in in, in the format at the moment. And Hammer Time as well. They haven't. So I, I missed Hammer Time's conversion rate. Um, I I don't remember. I actually don't That's remember. A, I think it stayed the same. I think it stayed okay, the right. same. Yeah, a, a lot of them stayed the same. Um, apart from Merc Titan Creativity, were the big ones we talked about. Yeah, I mean, so if I, I was looking through some of the some of the lists from top eight at the very least, especially the winning winning decks, it was won by Rhinos. By I mean. Uh, hang on, let me just pull up the person's name again just so I don't get it wrong. Maybe Harry will remember it and cut me off. Yeah, Chris- uh, Christian Pitchy. Christian Pitchy, yeah. Right, so congratulations to them for winning with four-color rhinos. I was just kind of looking through and looking at new tech and stuff like that, and uh, this is probably old hat now, but, you know, leyline bindings kind of become ubiquitous in these rhino decks, you know, and you can... Mm. It means you have access to white mana, so you can play Ardent Plea, which gives you more cascaders. Uh, but, you know, from the, from the latest set, Arcane Proxy, just as a one-of hiding there, um, nice way to flashback rhinos in the mid game, kind of essentially an extra copy of Shardless Agent once you've once you've fired off one copy of uh, of Crashing Footfalls. So yeah, it's a, a uh, pr- pretty stock list, I, w- I would say at this point. But um, I'm not sure Leyline Binding is actually stock. I feel like most people still play just Team of Rhinos. Right. Okay. It seems like I a relatively big, relatively big gain. I mean, one of the you know obviously just. Speaking speaking from my my one trick uh, point of view, you know the way you win the matchup against Rhinos is essentially have a five five in play, and you know leyline binding is very very you know a, a sol- another another answer to that to to a Merktide regent, and you know probably goes a long way towards swinging that matchup at least back towards kind of fifty fifty for you. 
Yeah. Throughout the whole weekend, I did feel like creativity and Merktide seemed like very good choices, but um, something that surprised me was seeing Is It Prowess on the top tables, as well as Five Color Zoo. Now, mm. I've only commentated two modern tournaments for Legacy, and both times there's been a Five Color Zoo player on the top tables um, around day one and day two. It, it's, it's actually hilarious. And... Um, they do really well every time. Their creatures line up really good against the opponent. The only thing that I thought was questionable is that the four-color um, or the five-color zoo deck that they were playing played four wild Nicotl, which is whatever, but four of the new, like, Tarmogoyf domain creature, and I was, like, really surprised. Like, a two-mana star three. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Nishoba Brawler. That's it, that's it, Nishubu Brawler. And I was like, uh, and both games that they cast the Nishubu Brawler, they lost. So <laughs> that was interesting. But no, overall, the tournament, yeah, the tournament to me felt like it, it actually showed a lot of power uh, uh, in certain decks. And I spoke a lot with players down um, in the field. And I think the one thing that I took away from the event was you know, when do you want to play Mono White Hammer and Azorius Hammer? And I spoke to Ben Jones, and he basically said that Azorius Hammer is way better in a wider metagame because Spell Pierce is, is um, good against more general decks than wanting Blacksmith skill for creativity. And it makes sense, um, to me at least. He, he convinced me, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that makes sense to me as well. I think... Um... You know, that the flex just the flexibility of spell pierce is really powerful and you know in these you know you're describing this metagame breakdown and like even the decks that we would consider the top decks you know one of them's only 16 of the field and the other one's like you know between two and four percent right so you know ha having access to some flexible sideboard guys it's kind of a, a tale as old as time in modern that you know if you could choose a very targeted hate card it might swing the the matchup that it's targeted for in a larger percentage a larger percentage in your favor but you just have no it's not. It's so unreliable that you ever play against any given matchup in a tournament that you want to have the most flexible answers. Like you'd rather a bunch of sevens across the board than like a ten and a zero. Mm. Yeah, I can. I, I, yeah. Def, I definitely I, I understand that that perspective from Ben Jones, and he did pretty well for himself in this tournament as well, if I believe. So that's another highlight of the event. So I spoke with Ben Jones about this blue white hammer, mono white hammer, whatever. I'm chatting to chatting to him. And he tells me that he has a win in next round. So I'm like, okay, do you want to be main feature? He said, yes, we get him into main feature. He's playing against Jeskai Breach. And this will make sense in a second. In the Twitch chat, I see someone put like, oh, that Jeskai Breach player is my boyfriend. I'm rooting for him, whatever. I'm like, oh, you know, shout out to this person's girlfriend in the chat, whatever. Ben wins game one. Game two, so, sorry, game one sideboarding, we pull up Ben Jones' opponent's list, right? And Ben Jones' opponent played two Ledger Shredders game one. And Twitch chat starts going, you're showing the wrong list, you're showing the wrong list. And we're like, what? And you know the new Young uh, young Pyromancer? Yeah. yeah. What's it called? I third Path Iconoclast. Yes, Third Path Iconoclast. They've got three registered in their deck. No Ledger Shredders. So, I have to go to the coverage booth, I pulled the judge aside and I said, Twitch chat has seen something been played that's not allowed, can I tell you? And they're like, yes. I show the deck list, I go, this is the player's deck list, they play Ledger Shredder game one, there's no Ledger Shredder in the deck. And the judge is like, oh yeah, I saw them play Ledger Shredder. 
So they deck check Ben Jones's opponent. They don't have Ledger Shredders registered, so they get a game loss. Ben wins the quote-unquote winning in, and then Ben becomes 68th and doesn't make day two. So <laughs> the, the Ben was like really hyped. Yeah, I spoke to him after. He was like excited that he's getting day two. He's a jolly guy. And then he missed. So it was kind of a roller coaster of emotions personally. Right. But I was under the impression was, he actually had a decent finish at this tournament. Okay, that's, never mind. Yeah. That's pretty funny. But though. I think what what's funny is I spoke to the head judge. And when we pull someone from the floor to the coverage booth, they have to sign a piece of paper that says, I give permission to give the live stream my deck list and also release it to the public. So because they signed off that they released their deck list to the public, we can go to the judge and say their deck list is incorrectly submitted. So that's something to know. Uh, something yeah, new. they used to get you to sign their waiver before GP day twos and stuff like that if you're going to be covered or whatnot. Yeah. You sign this yeah. It's pretty crazy. Liability waiver. Was there any talk about open decklist versus not open decklist since that tournament was not open decklist? Yeah, so I think that they only do open decklist for the RCs because it's uh, a lot more manageable. No, I, I was I was asking about oh. the players, how they felt about oh. no open decklist. If you talk to the players or you heard conversations, no, no. no. It seems to me I that, think that not open decklist is becoming more and more and more widely accepted especially with the advent of millie mm. i think yeah mtg millie kind of having it's hosting a lot of these even paper tournaments as well and it's an easy resource to share share lists and stuff like that rather than having to carry around some printed out copy of it with you or something like that so i think the logistic problem is that you're allowed to enter this event without using melee on your phone mm. you have to enter the event with melee and then you can submit a paper deck list and submit your results to the thing every time so if they're going to do open deck list, you have to have a physical deck list to pass mm, okay. to the opponent, which is why at the RC Gab, you carried around a deck list, right? And yeah. gave it to the opponent. Yeah. So that's why I, th I think that's the rule because they allow non-melee entries. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that it, it's not mandatory that you are got some working mobile phone in your pocket. Okay. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I think a logistical problem in these larger ones. Played a few leagues of, of modern. I played that five color zoo deck actually. I don't remember much. I think I didn't think it was super good, but I think I won more than I lost when I played the league. And I played that prowess deck this this week and it didn't go well for me. I went one four. One match I, I kind of punted a game, so maybe I would have won, but I felt like it ran out of steam pretty fast. I picked up the list that went ten and in the challenge. Um just seven zero in the Swiss and swept the swept the top eight. Wow! And you're playing iteration and light up the stage, and then the prowess creatures, Lavadark bolt, mutagenic growth, uh, no no counters in the main, no 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 other cantrips. You have no ragavan, and yeah, I was just running out of gas pretty fast. I was doing poorly against Merktide. I don't understand this no ragavan. It's no Ragavan decision. I surely if you're just gonna play some red deck, just put Ragavan in it. Yeah, I guess Ragavan's maybe not the greatest was light up the stage, but I guess the one <laughs> one drop cross creatures aren't either. If if I was to replay to, to play the deck again, I would cut the Sprite Dragons, I would play Ragavan. I'd also play four iterations, the deck the, the deck that won a challenge only had three. I would um I think there was a gut shot in that list and another random card or two and i would just maybe play 
couple on holy heats in the main instead of just having them all in the sideboards. And one one card that I thought might be good in the sideboards was Tormach Scripts. I think I would have some Crips in the sideboard as well as Explosives. I think they play really nicely with Light Up the Stage, Prowess, Iteration, just zero mana artifacts. And a, a lot of the matches I played, I just wish I had Tormach Scripts in my sideboard instead of, you know, some of the other stuff. But I was... I know, I know Mengu was crushing with that deck, and other peoples were doing well, but... Tenno in the the, the challenge is is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, exactly. I was like, wow. And I've always kind of liked these these prowess decks. I haven't played the Matumba. I remember thinking the Monorite prowess deck was pretty decent a while back, and the blue-red versions of the deck was was decent. But didn't didn't work out for for me. So so you're not in... That seems to be the general consensus amongst the three of us, at least, is that modern isn't our favorite format right now. When I think if you polled us a year ago, we might have given you the opposite answer. Yeah. It feels to me like, you know, the kind of people's patience with it is kind of wearing out a little bit or something. I can't quite, I can't quite tell. Harry, Harry you released it. You, you just uploaded a video about kind of history, the, the timeline of modern. Do you, in it, do you, do you say anything about why you think, you know, the kind of gloss has worn off of modern a little bit? You know, what might have gone wrong? So my most recent video is discussing more of, like, a casual person's problem with Modern, is that it's too expensive to play. While it may be a balanced format, it's way too expensive to get into. Mm. I think from our point of view, and what I was spe- I had a, you know, after-party Burger King <laughs> with some friends, um, and... I think the biggest frustration with Modern is that you can play really well, you get into a top deck war, and someone can top deck a 2 for 1, a 3 for 1, and it feels like decisions don't matter sometimes. And I think the the biggest tilter in Modern is that, on average, there feels to be more games than, than not where decisions feel like they don't matter. For me personally, that's why I don't really like the format. Um, I think also... The difference for me between Modern and Legacy is that the free spells in Legacy are... They don't feel as broken as the free spells in Modern are. I know the Forcible format seems to be the free spells are more broken, but in actuality, I feel like in Legacy, they're more fair. And that, to me, is also makes me dislike Modern. I think it's because they're way more viable free spells. Right In Legacy, it's only Force of Will and Grief. That you really see an endurance as a was, cyborg uh, card. I was, I was going to say that that, that lot just on that free spell free spell point, comparing legacy to modern. The majority of the free spells in legacy are the, the same free spells that are in modern, but the only one really missing is force of will, mm. and force of will is just you know has just holding together all this degenerate stuff in so many ways in the way that force of negation doesn't. Force of negation yes. doesn't interact in that way. In in, in in modern because you know a lot of the most powerful things at the moment are creatures and this is obviously just in the gate so mm. yeah there's there's definitely definitely an important distinction there you know, the spells are still the free spells in legacy are still powerful because they're the same ones that are in modern but uh, force of will just interacts in a different way yeah, yeah. I, and what, what what about you gab what's what is it that's changed about your kind of relationship with modern recently I'm not sure. I think it just feels bad. The, the The gameplay feels bad. I think losing to Ragavan sucks. Losing to Renin Six sucks. Um, 
losing to like busted hammer draws. I, I don't know what it is about modern, but I've been I've been off it honestly. They're just not fun. The decks are not fun. Maybe they're just also feels a little stale. Oh yeah. So this is this is uh it's interesting. I'm just trying to kind of gather around kind of various different points of view and you know piece it together with what I read here and there on Twitter and how I feel myself. And this it's funny that we're kind of at this point where you like you're saying it doesn't feel you know it doesn't feel fun. These are busted cards and busted draws and what you, you as Harry saying is decisions don't feel like they matter. And I feel like since Modern Horizons two came out, the amount of interaction and interactive games in the format has gone up just by several orders of magnitude from where it used to be previously. But they are all kind of the same in a lot of ways. It's kind of their games that revolve around Ragavan or their games that revolve around Ren of Six, Ren and Six, like you're describing, Gab. And yeah, the tools are there to interact, but if it doesn't quite line up at the right time, it's 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 no good. I mean, I think it's hard for me to say whether I'm having fun or not because I haven't been playing a huge amount recently. I'm, the Red Merktide might be one of my one of my favorite decks in a long time to play, but at the same time, if I haven't feel inspired to open up my laptop and just play some Magic Online casually, then maybe the format isn't self failing. If I can't bring myself to play a deck that is completely well suited to my both my interests and my and my and my taste and all that sort of stuff, yeah, it's it's funny and I I feel like the, the the situation on you know from Twitter at least has been that kind of people are a bit down on modern and you know, maybe Modern Horizons two in the long run hasn't had the most positive impact, but at the same time I kind of think back to what it was like in you know 2016 or something like that and just you know getting kind of nut infect drawed or like playing your combo deck against your opponent's combo deck and they're not really interacting. And was that any better? I, I don't really know. Hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say. I don't know. It's possible modern is just fine. It's just me, you know, just yeah. no no attachment, no reason yeah. to, to play a ton of that's, modern. That's true, yeah. No that's no true. kind of pet deck, no, no emotional attachment to deck. And yeah. Wanting to try hard. Yeah, and, and I mean, you've got, you know, we're, you know, we're back in kind of professional magic swing. Like there are paper tournaments and like seasonal stuff going on at the moment. And it's, it's firmly because you're preparing for the pro tour coming up. It's firmly pioneer season for you right now. So you yeah. know, why would you get, get excited about a format like modern? But then you have, you know, obviously people, I'm, this uh, next round of RC qualifiers, is it standard or is it modern? I can't remember which, or is there, there's just no rules, right? There's no rules. The next regional championships are all standard. Right. Okay. So there's actually nothing major modern on the horizon. It just happens to be something that people would play because that's what their RCQ is. Okay. Right. Fine. But the next big thing coming up for you, obviously, is the Pro Tour. So yeah, Pro Tour and Pioneer. Yeah. So what's been going on in Pioneer? You've clearly got a pet a pet deck. I I know you have a pet deck, and I know it's. <laughs> would you say it's going well or? Another yeah, it, it's going. So when I came back from Sofia, I tried a few of the mail decks that I want to try. It was Urza and Mishra. Red Black was Mishra was not very good. The Dragon Engine was decent. I think maybe you could even play it in regular Ragdos just as a value card, even though you already have a ton of value. It's kind of like Ox of Agonis, right? It has the Ox of Agonis. Yeah, in some ways. Trigger, yeah. In some ways, except when you bring it back, it's unearthed, so it doesn't stay into play, but it oh, does right, draw you yeah. a bunch of cards. Yeah, right. Okay. I did try a deck that I was decently successful with, was Blue-White Urza Meld, was a Meekstone and a Mightstone, and I was also playing um, Opus Gearhulk in the deck, because basically I had 
Erzine Meekstone, and I was also playing Stern Lesson to ramp into the Mightstone and Weakstone, and Gearhulks and Opus. You know, just Opus Gearhulk is pretty pretty powerful thing to do. I felt like it all fit nicely together. You know, Urza reduces the cost of your Gearhulks and your Opus and your Meeks, like basically your entire deck. And it gives you two different angles of attack. You know, you get kind of a, like an onboard um, plan with Urza and the Mightstone and Weakstone. And then you have, you know, your other half of your deck that relies on the graveyards. So it's kind of nice that you're not just all in on, on Gearhulk and... That deck was kind of okay, you know, as rounding out the deck was consider a sensor, some some sweepers, a, a lockdown. But um I after playing that deck, I could see why some of the green players just were playing the Mightstone and Weeks. And I remember we talked about that list that had yeah. you know, like some some people have been playing one Sky Sovereign in the main or one this, one that. And the the player from Australia, I believe, or who competed in the Australian tournament had uh, the, the Mike and Weakstone, and it does make for some nice turns. You know, you get to play that, and then Karn, and or in my case, it powers up Shark Typhoon, Skier Hulks. So I, I've I've seen it crop up a bunch of times more now in in more mono green lists having access to it in the main. It's it's minus five, minus five when it ETB, ETBs, right? Yeah, that or draw two. You're right. Yeah, it's a pretty flexible card. Yeah, no, it, it was it was good. Um, I did, I did go back to, uh, I played a bit of blue white. I played the challenge versus blue white. I went two and four. I had a rough day. I think my plan against Ragdos has been a little off was to lay down the arms version. I think I don't have my, my sideboard didn't plan was off. And I think maybe I was just short on sideboard cards. So I didn't have the, uh, the one dream Chawler or the one six man Elspeth. I still had the two Starnheim, but yeah, maybe I I didn't have enough against um, Ragdos, and I wasn't sure how many sweepers I should keep in, how many laid on the arms. I will say I feel like I don't know if it was me or the deck, but I feel like the laid on the arms version maybe struggles more against Ragdos because you don't have portable hole after sideboard to deal with Bangbuster, so Bangbuster can be tough, mm. and. You also have less value lands. I mean, it's kind of up to you how, how greedy you want to be with the mana base, but you almost definitely cannot play as many halls and castles and Iganjas as in the portable hall version because you need all these planes land. So I feel like these things add up, but yeah. I've also heard from people playing late on the arms that they're still doing good against Ragdos. And, you know, it does come up that you, you know, I've had plenty of games where I was using late on the arms to get rid of Shieldred to get rid of trespasser and bone crusher so it's not just all downsides it's funny when you you know you switch over to this lay down version and suddenly you have less cards to take out but it also feels like you don't have enough cards for the matchup so yeah normally i'd be kind of boarding out some of the reportable holes in that matchup or whatnot or yeah i do i do think that you know being on this kind of all planes version and not having space for utility lands does put you in a tough spot against Rakdos since they're they're also high on number of utility lands at the moment between you know they have like a probably two and two split of creature lands from you know down of the bugbear and high of the eye mind and then there's heaps of castle locked lands as well you know so you know they, their lands do something and your lands don't do very much anymore so maybe you're kind of putting yourself at a natural disadvantage there yeah and then after that i went back to uh, my true pioneer love blue black 
Yeah, I wanted to just play a ton of micromancers, the four drop the tutors for one mana <laughs> instance and sorceries. And the reasoning was that I felt like green was maybe on the downside and micromancer shines against Ragdos because it's more two for ones and the body lines up nicely. And it also shines against mono white because it's decent against Thalia. You go get, you know, March of the Wretch of Wretched Sorrow, the black and X spells that drains life. Um, or, you know, just a push or whatnot. And Micromancer was really good against Brutal Cathar. So, yeah, it, it worked out fine. I played a, a bunch of blue-black. Uh, I tried a, a version was a bunch of Narsets and Days on Doing and Micromancer, maybe a little top-heavy. And, um, you know, I decided to give the South American Regional Championship list a try, which was dedicated Days on Doing. It was Julian Prado who came in second. And, you know, I, I saw the list. It's basically four days on doing four in our set to Notion Thief. And it's super dedicated to the plan, meaning he wasn't playing Thoughtseize because that's kind of a non-bow was in our set days on doing because it doesn't impact the board and you don't really care about their hands since you just want to get rid of everything. So he was playing... Tons of pushes, cards like Rona's Vortex and Bellaful Mastery that are just really cheap removal and work really well was, you know, Vortex really good when you're going to cast Days on Doing because it's basically one mana unconditional removal spell. Bellaful Mastery, in theory, you know, you can play it on turn two and you don't care about giving them an extra card since you're going to Days on Doing. In, in practice, that doesn't happen, but it is extremely good with Notion Thief because you just you know, play an Ocean Thief, untap, kill a creature, and you get to draw the card. So that's good. That's value. pretty sick. Yeah. Um, he had four sensors to dig for time, so have that extra, you know, fuel. And honestly, I, I played the, the deck three or four leagues, and I've barely changed a card. The the one card in the main decks I'm not too sure about is he had two copies of Spell Pierce, kind of that same idea of like super efficient, trying to not fall behind on the board and make the best of your NR sets and. I do feel like maybe negate could be better. To get your games still do go long sometimes, and some decks are pretty good at making spell pierce suck really fast. Like anyone who makes treasures, mm. or I'm you know, a big, maybe I'm a big fan of negate in Pioneer and Dolphin yeah. in the blue white deck as well. But I negate when you're playing blue black. When I was playing the blue black gear hulk non tap yeah. out deck, I was playing kind of two three negates in the main. Yeah. Another card that's been really, really good that I didn't play a ton in my old versions of Blue Black was Ritual of Soot, which is the sweeper that kills everything that costs three or less. And I'm not sure if it's going to stay that way a long time, but for a while there was almost no mono green. So you don't really want to play the Extinction event. And Ritual of Soot is the best sweeper probably against mono white aggro, which was pretty popular. It's decent against all the, you know, most of the creature decks. It's also pretty solid against Ragdos. It gets most of their stuff, even though against Ragdos specifically, I think maybe um, Meat Hook Massacre is a bit better. But um, yeah, Rachel of Soot was really good. So right now, maybe the changes I would make to the main is cut the third Vortex, cut the third Mastery, maybe play a third Ritual of Soot in the main and a Power Word kill, um, you know, to have like kind of a more consistent removal spell. And I would maybe play Negate over Spell Pierce. But I was I was super impressed. Uh, I played a bunch of leagues. Um, I I didn't really find a, a pattern in my loss. Another thing I was impressed by is I actually beat Ragdos. You know, 
I went on MTG Melee. I was expecting to see him, you know, maybe having his one loss be against Ragdos or maybe having dodge Ragdos all day because that was my weakness with all my blue-black builds. And no, he actually beat Ragdos three times. He just lost, um, I don't remember what he lost to in the Swiss, but he lost to Monorad in the finals. And I, I, I played against Ragdos two or three times and yeah, I was, I was beating it. Um, does a super committed plan. Notion Thief is actually kind of solid against them. They do have Fatal Push and Storm, but it's not always trivial for them to keep mana up. And it trades with the two of the, two of the creatures that are pretty important, put a yeah. lot of pressure on you. I think one of the things that, that was good for me too was the two Gaia Reach Sanitarium. I had tried two in some of my list and maybe I gave up a little fast on, on the second copy because it was screwing me over, but the upside can be uh, pretty huge and, and you kind of take over pretty fast. Also having these couple of dig free times. I don't know. Somehow I didn't feel like this deck should be meaningfully better against Ragdus, but so far it has been. So uh, I'm just kind of really loving these blue-black decks. A uh, card that's not in that deck, but I've played a, a bit in standard is Siphon Insight too. I feel like that card's pretty cool and and good against control in some of the grindy matchups. The think, the think twice off that deck, right? Yeah. Green green has reemerged in my last few leagues. And it was it's kind of classic green, you know. The first time I played against it, things went pretty well. Cards line up well. It's like, ooh, nice, you know, Bellaful Mastery exiling their creatures. And just Narset days on doing being pretty decent. Rona's Vortex is kind of okay against them as well. And and then you play against green again and they just have the good draws and stuff and you get mushed and you're like, oh yeah, I guess it's it's not that easy, you know. It's, it's all random, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't say all random, you know, but... Uh, that, that's how I still... used to walk away from matchups where I was like, I think I was supposed to be beating that matchup, but I had no chance at all for the last two yeah. games. Yeah, it's, so, it's all random. Yeah, this is this is what I, what I'm up to in, in Pioneer. I'm I'm not sure what else uh, I want to explore. But I think I'm gonna spend a decent amount of time uh, baiting more people into playing blue black. Mm. Oh, I also tried them. Um, release the wind, release to the wind, and Valky deck. Oh, did you play that this afternoon? <laughs> yeah, it's it's Valky and release to the wind. So you you blink your Valky to get to Belt on turn three. And you're also playing Arcane Proxy and See the Truth, and it it didn't look very good, but I decided to give it a try, and it was not very good. I think it's just kind of two deck mushed together. Like, you know, in theory, you can release to the wind Arcane Proxy or Phyrex and Flesh Garger and get the the big side of them, you know, but it's not a very good use of the card, so. Maybe if you want to play Valkyrie Release to the Wind, you should just play Bring to Light. Apparently, that's what people used to do. I forget, but someone mentioned that. Mm. And yeah, splash the green. Yeah, one of the problems is a lot of games I, I got to cast Tibalt or flip Tibalt or Blanket, you know, and it was just too little to wait. Mm -hmm. So, overall, not super impressed. I did beat Ragdos Valley just because of Cedar Truth's Arcane Proxy. You know, it almost doesn't matter what you do if you get to, uh, you know, Ancestral Recall a couple of times in a game. Is that, is, that a, is that a sort of thing that you could kind of fit into another deck? Uh, yeah, probably, but... <laughs> You're not going to. Okay, fine. 
I don't know, maybe maybe it is good enough to, to be kind of built around. I remember trying Cedar Truth's proxy. It's the first thing I tried when the set came out. Oh, I didn't realize. I know you tried Arcane Proxy because this was kind of just in the lead up to the RC and you were, you know, the cards had just come out of Magic Online and you gave Arcane Proxy a go and you had a bad time and you kind of ruined yeah. it off and moved on. I didn't realize yeah, you had Cedar I, Truth in your deck as well. Yeah, I tried it in, in a Shredder, Shredder, um, Ledger Shredder shell. Maybe it was just Ledger Shredder was not supposed to be in the deck. Maybe that card was kind of a trap. Um, just too many, too mana, too mana sorceries. Yeah, and all these blue black decks. Hmm. But um, no, I mean I could see Arcane Proxy, see the choice being being reasonable uh, in in the right uh, right list. Maybe it was maybe it was the um, Young Pyromancer cards or for Path Iconoclast these decks. Hmm. Mm. You said you were testing for standard, right? I saw that Shieldred has been spoiled. Uh, not sorry, not Shieldred. Phyrexian Obliterator has been spoiled, and that's going into standard. Yeah, I know that. I only have experience in standard because I've been playing a lot of mono black when there's like these standard showcase stuff. Yeah, and I was just, you know, I personally think that Phyrexian Obliterator is most likely going to be bad in the format but i was wondering if you had any thoughts on any deeper thoughts no i think it's going to be bad i mean to give you an idea i was playing grixis in the mocks and i ended up not even playing shield right in my list just because <laughs> it dies to two mana removal spells and mm. dies to invoke despair obliterator yeah. has never really been a good card there is that one i think green fight card right there's uh Oh, the lay of the land fight uh, and prey upon split dud. Yeah, that might be the one. I don't know if there's a better one. I feel like maybe that that could be decent. That's a way to abuse, but obliterator, unless mono red, you know, burn decks are a big part of the meta, or somehow you've got you know you've got decks that that are not, but you've got lay down the arms, you got go to for the throw. That I can't imagine that card having a big impact. You know, it can't realistically be better than Shieldred to put in your deck, right? Of course. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Not only that, but the mono black decks play so many creature lands. The new workshop. There's also like a. I've seen them play like the surveil one. So there's a land that draws two cards. Sometimes you can't even cast it turn four. There's a land that lets you draw two cards if you've got a enchantment and a cre- an artifact as well. Yeah, there's a lot of utility yeah. lands in standard at the moment. Yeah, but. Whenever I play standard, I just play mono black and hope that the uh, Grixis people or whatever don't get the best of me. <laughs> yeah, mono black, mono black's pretty decent. Yeah, mono pretty decent. There's there's a burn version with corrupt and stuff. And the first list I saw, I was kind of making fun of it because it had four invoke despair, four shield red, four corrupt, and only 24 lands, and literally no way, I think, to even scry a card, you know, no card draw, you know, nothing. Just naturally needed to to, to get to five and six mana with your 24 land deck. And then Eliot Dragon, Eliot played a played a, a, a version with one or two extra lands, a Celeste, so a bit more mana, a little test, you know, a little more reasonable build. So I'm not sure what's going on in standard. I, I stopped playing after the mocks. Basically, I, I tested for a week. I tested blue white soldiers a decent bit, and then Grixis, and decided to to just play Grixis. I talked with Logan Nettles, Jabberwocky, and he he got me on Wandering Mine, and oh. I ended up playing a version with no shield red, couple of Wandering Mines, 
Um, you know, some meta calls, I was playing four braid in the main deck, only two bank busters and two siphon insight. I actually really like siphon insight. Um, and that card was, was great for me. I felt like, uh, I did pretty well in the mirror. I, I felt like I played well. I felt like my list was, was pretty good as well. I was going up to four siphon insight after sideboard and that card just plays out much better with your counters. It's much better than Bangbuster on two because sometimes you you know you can't even really play Bangbuster on two. It's it's too slow. It gets going too slowly. Um, also, Siphon Inside just helps you hit your your land drops if you're if you're stuck on two. So I was really happy with my list. Pretty happy with my play. I, I lost round one, but then won four in a row to top eight. Uh, only five rounds because it was I think twenty seven or twenty eight players. And I ended up losing to James Z in the the quarters in the mirror match. He got me with the six mana serpent, and James was qualified for Worlds, I believe. And then he just played really well against me. Um, I, I made kind of a you know a couple decisions that didn't go my way, especially tapping out and getting hit by a serpent for six black mana making me discard my last three cards in hand including to invoke despair so that was kind of brutal but I had, I had a lot of fun testing and playing in the tournament i played it off stream i recorded for youtube you know kind of focused and i've been kind of happy with my playing i was pretty happy with my playing sophia pretty happy with my playing that tournament so you know that was kind of nice feeling i guess and and fun to to play these so when you're somewhat high six tournaments when you're recording these things offline are you just recording the, the video and then going back and commentating over it afterwards or are you commentating as you go but not really being distracted by chat yeah exactly no i just comment as i go i don't have the patience to go back and you know or the moderation to do that but you know I'm, i'll probably be like a little more quiet than usual but i'll still like i think it kind of helps me i'm so used to it mm. um that it, it I, I might play a bit better honestly just having the mic in front of me and talking even if there's no chat or nothing just yeah i'm not sure yeah i could believe that you it's the way you've been practicing for the last six years or something yeah so no that was interesting um i really like a standard is a bit like pioneer you know it it might be not the the or especially standard might not be the most diverse but might not be the flashiest list but i really enjoy the gameplay i enjoy the the mirror matches and you know as opposed to 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 i, I it's weird because you remember right when pioneer first came out i was like this format's kind of boring the, the gameplay is boring mm. <laughs> i was and it was like it's all too much like standards and now for some reason it just i really enjoy these formats maybe it's just finding the right decks or you just find a deck or two that you like and that's all it takes. I'm not sure what it is. But... All I'm hearing is I was right all along. And it's... <laughs> <Yeah>. Sure. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm with you. It just takes one kind of good experience, I think, to kind of set you on something. So I had that, I had that early on, right? I had, I had that experience with Inverter where I was like, this is great fun. This is awesome. And, you know, this, had, this format, therefore, is will always contain some level of kind of opportunity and excitement for me, no matter what's been going on otherwise. You know, and now you've found something in Pioneer like that. And, you know, and, and, and you know, this is a, another thing we've spoken about, you know, many times over the last, what, this is episode 158, right? So like over the last 150 odd episodes is just, 
Pioneer has that kind of original magic feel. It doesn't have any kind of adulteration to it anymore, which which many of the other Eternal formats do. So, you know, there's something that, you know, maybe maybe speaks to old heads or something like that, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're having fun, Gab. <laughs> do we want to wrap things up? Yeah, sure. I'd happy to, yeah. Life on the line, theoretical tournament tomorrow, win the event you live, lose you die, modern, pioneer, and standard if you would like. I'll go first. In modern, I actually really like hammer time. Helped out some pe people test hammer on the Friday, played a ton. I've, I've watched a lot of hammer time played on Magic Online because I edit while my friends play on Discord. So I feel pretty good with the deck, pioneer. Um, you know, I've actually been seeing mono red aggro around mono green mono red decide on the morning last minute reg like gab standard mono black what about you pat mm, merc titan modern uh i actually played a league for the first time in many many weeks this today i had my bread and butter four ones so lock it in there's absolutely no chance you could talk me off that deck right now um mm -hmm. and in pioneer i'm not in love with anything at the moment i think i would just play rakdos yeah, I think I would just play Rakdos. I would play four color creativity in modern, I guess. The the Prado list, the blue black days on doing notion thief deck in Pioneer and Standard just Quixis, I guess. Awesome. Now Price is right with a card on card market. Anyone wanna throw anything out there? Could maybe do days on doing. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Did we do Days Undoing? I think it's a I think we too. have. Really? Okay. I think we've done Days Undoing. Yeah, probably. What about Arcane Proxy? Ooh. Sure. Okay. So it is Mythic, right? Yeah. I believe it's Mythic. Yeah. I've got a price. Uh, I reckon I got one too. Uh, so latest set. Crappy Mythic that doesn't see play anywhere. Okay, hype, I got a price hype, too. Crappy Mythic that doesn't see play anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one, 12. Six. 15. 15 Ooh, and 12? Yeah. Wow. I almost said five, and I was like, eh, I'll do six. <laughs> I mean, if. How much, did, how much did you say, Gab? Six. And Pat's on 12. Yeah. Oh, the average oh, price for the past week on Card Market's like website right now, if you want Arcane Proxy, is six euros and sixty euros cents. Let's go! Finally, <laughs> finally, you've won the last like ten, <laughs> whatever. Me? I never win. I won like it's like the second time I win or something. Third time. Maybe. I'm perfectly honest. Every time it's second, ends, I completely forget about it. <laughs> I never think about okay, it. Okay, Gav. Wally basks in his glory. Where can we find you on the internet? Twitch.tv slash yellowhat. And between December 26 and 28, hopefully racking up a ton of trophies for charity. Cube for charity is Ooh. back. The best Ooh. event of the year. It's a 4v4 um, cube draft competition where basically it's just two days to rack up as many trophies on Magic Online as possible. It's me, uh, me and uh, I'm on team Jbro. We're against Jim Davis's team 4v4. Um, yeah, we're I think three years running. Uh, we, we beat them three years in a row, no big deal. Uh, but uh, <laughs> nice. yeah, so we're, it's just tons of fun. Obviously, 
you know, Vintage Cube is one of the people's favorite format and we're also raising money for charity. We'll be raising money for Doctor Without Borders and I believe Jim Davis' team is raising money for a charity that helps transgender people, I believe. So, yeah. Nice. Awesome. I'll be tuning into that. Okay. For me, you can go check out my YouTube channel and see the most beautifully crafted thumbnail. I woke up today... 11 till 6 no food no leaving my pc i edited that video so go check it out it's fucking sick that thumbnail they literally call him the picasso of thumbnails (laughs) it took me an hour and a half to make that thumbnail my heart and soul and all my passion for magic gathering went into that thumbnail literally i had so many iterations I also have thumbnail checkers, aka my friends, where I just screenshot ideas and send to them and just go, like, would you click on this? And they say, like, things that... Because at the end of the day, your friends or people are going to watch your content, right? They're casual magic players. So I just get them to point out things Scathing that are shit. criticism of your friends. Yeah, exactly. So, beautifully crafted. Go check out the YouTube channel. Uh, no, warning, you may get clickbaited. We'll let you, Pat. Uh, you can find me lying on the couch for, like, the next three weeks, basically, because I am done for the year. I am off work. I might actually stream. Nice. I put the house to myself next week. Ooh, the day. So okay. I'll run, I will kind of sabotage stream Gab and take seven of his viewers. <laughs> awesome. I'll definitely tune into that as well. As always, if you made it this far into the episode, thank you so much. Car Market sponsor of the podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Take care, everyone. <laughs>